Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. And yet again, we gather together to review, reflect, and discuss this incredible band, The Fish from Vermont. RJ, Megan, happy Sunday morning. Happy post-MSG glow. How are you doing here today? Megan, I'm starting with you because you are coming off of four fish shows and you have really pushed through. Not only have you done the shows, but you've done the social events and you've also done all the professional coverage. You were here every single day, amazing full attendance. How are you doing right now? I'm blissed out. I would go again tonight. I would go again tonight. I could do a five night run, it turns out. (laughs) 
It turns We're going to talk that about that. I am cause... actually really, really good at partying and going to fish shows. That's so good. good. I'm proud of you. I'm so good at it. Really yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, it's it was a big thing. I'm just still floating. I think these shows totally met all my highest hopes and I had really high expectations for these shows. And I just, I think it was an incredible weekend and I got to meet lots of new people. I had lots of old friends in town that met new friends. And it was kind of one of those weekends where all the things were working out right. Like people were just ending up where you wanted them to be and we could dance mm. together. And it was just, it was awesome. I got a text this morning from my friend, Shana, who went with me to the shows and she just said, I just put more on and danced as hard as I did last night. I need to do something with this energy. I feel like I could invent something or solve world hunger. Wow. So there you go. Fish is helping people solve world hunger. We need to wow. create like a um like a creativity commune that exists just offset of fish shows where where ideas are created based off of the energy of a fish show. I love hmm. that. It's like a you cult or something or are you thinking last like, I mean Creepy. I think it already is, but like you know, this would just be an addition to it. There would not be there be there be drinks offered, but you wouldn't have to drink the drinks. <laughs> you know. That's like RJ, you yes, did friend. two nights. You yes. went hard. You did the fan art event, and then you came home and you tended to your family like a yeah. good father does. And then you continued to consume fish shows from afar. How were you doing? <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, I'm good. I, I, um, yeah, I went to the first two nights and one of the, you know, this like running a startup related to music is a kind of a double-edged sword, as they say, because Wednesday we had a bunch of meetings and then we went to the show. Thursday I was in an all day recording session um, in the studio with a bunch of Broadway actors for this new fiction podcast pilot we're making. It was so impressive and incredible, the talent of these people. And then I went to the, you know, our happy hour, then went to the show. And then Tom and I sold posters for six or seven hours the next day. Then I got on a train home. But, um, you know, it was all worth it. And this morning, I took my kids to the playground for two hours. I did a 60-minute Peloton ride because I have to talk about Peloton now. And I just mowed the lawn. So, like, like I can't, I can't lose today. You can't I'm lose. It's all goodness. W's for you. It's all, it's all wins. <laughs> It's crazy, crazy shows. Can't believe crazy it shows. And last night, man, you know, I was I was talking to our guest. Uh, we have two guests that are joining us today, but but our our, our guest uh, Josh Sklaren and I were talking prior to going live here about how like I've never been to one of the New Year's Day shows, and obviously this was going to be the New Year's Day show. Um, there's always a vibe though from afar, and I get this from people that I talk to who've been to the New Year's Day show that it tends to be a more mellow affair. You know, it's the night after New Year's Eve, everyone's kind of just like existing at the show. The band tends to play a little bit more mellow. Last night did not feel like that at all. Last night felt like a band and a fan base that was like, just give us one more night. Like we can do another night after this. It was so high energy. Mm -hmm. It was so exciting. It was it was a crazy show. I cannot wait to dive into it. That was definitely the vibe like before the show too, like we, I was out at a bar and it was just like, it was Saturday night. You know, you kind of forgot that too. I was like, oh, it's Saturday night. And like a lot of people haven't been to all four shows. So like, this is still really energizing. And I mean, people were definitely, it didn't seem like a mellow night at all. It was, yeah, I agree. The energy was super high still from the band and the crowd. I felt it. I felt it from afar. 
Um, so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk tonight about night four. We're going to talk today about night four of uh, Fish's MSG run. I kind of can't believe that this run is in the books. Like this just felt like it was further and further out in the future throughout the last yeah. six to eight months and it getting rescheduled. It's wild that like Fish has now played Madison Square Garden and we are two of three of these mini runs in early 2022 down. So um, we'll, we'll talk tomorrow when we regroup about the run as a whole and kind of where we're at at this point in 2022. But we're going to focus on the last night tonight. Um, before we do that, just two quick points of business for you all. We encourage every listener out there to subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts. This gives you access to HF Pod Premium. We have bonus episodes coming out on a near weekly basis. Uh, we have a really cool one coming out next week for you all. Um, also gives you access to ad-free content and a number of other uh, bonus offerings from Osiris Media. So please go ahead and subscribe to that. Help out independent podcasts as much as possible. We'll be able to continue doing what we do. Um, we also have two sponsors that we would like to tell you about. Meg, would you like to tell us about Sunset Lake CBD? I'd love to. Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead, like Jonathan Hart, or the young fish fan, like Ryan Storm. Anybody who's searching for a mellow body high. Smokable CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but without the paranoid and anxious side effects. They've got nine different strains from this year's harvest, so there's something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, so you can get ready for the summer tour. Now we're going to think about summer tour, which is so exciting. And Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And even better, they have this real farm-to-table approach, so you get really great pricing on premium CBD flour because they're shipping it directly from their farm to your door. They have really fast shipping, and their product's amazing. I really relied on CBD this week to get through these runs. I would take a gummy every night when I came home. We smoked some CBD at the end of the night to relax. I would highly recommend this. It's a great kind of post-show vibe. So check them out today. They're at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the coupon code HFPOD and you get 20% off all your products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. It's a great thing. Love Sunset Lake. Amazing. Megan, I thought you were going to say or young or young fish fan like me and, and talk about yourself. Oh, that's you're, cute. Because you, you just did three, four nights of fish and you said you could do another one. So that means you're, um, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, maybe I am still young. Maybe I'm like aging in reverse because of fish. I don't know. Benjamin Button's but, shit. There you go. It happens. <laughs> this was a learning exactly. experience for you. You can still do it. Like really still do it. I know. I feel like really proud of myself. Like I feel like more accomplished than I have in a really long time. I don't know what that says about what I accomplish usually, but I feel like really proud of how I managed this week. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I think I'm going to crash at some point, but I'm still riding high from this. So thanks, guys. <laughs> Brian, can I tell our listeners about our other sponsor? Please. Because I actually got to hang out with Megan at, at the bar at Moynihan, which is our new sponsor. I got to meet the team who brought us on. Um, so the Moynihan train hall, first of all, is an incredibly beautiful space. Um, you know, it's been planned for a long time and um, it's the, that old post office across from Penn Station, and now it's a beautiful train hall, and they have a, a bar there that has amazing beers and really nice people and good music, and they had um, Sierra Nevada foam, foam Pilsner, 
And I had several of those with, with the team there. Um, and it's, it's just like, it's just an amazing spot. I think it might be our new meetup like pre MSG because it's within five minutes of walking. It's super big and open. The bar is really great. They're really nice and they have a lot of beer. And then there's, it's like a, you know, food hall. So you can go and get pizza. You can get sushi. You can get whatever you want to eat. Mm. Um, Megan, I don't remember exactly what you're eating, but I think it was some sort of like Mediterranean feast. Is that right? It was, it was like a little Mediterranean salad platter. You get like bowls and it was 10 bucks and it was delicious. That's great. It's hard to eat dinner for 10 bucks in New York city. Yeah, exactly. So you can get off at the Amtrak, Long Island Railroad, Subway, grab a drink um, anytime. I actually had a friend who didn't go to the third and fourth shows, but went back to that bar the next day anyway. So so we should keep going, even though the MSG run is over. Um, and if you're watching, friend, you know who you are. Um, so you can check them out at MoynihanBar.com or, or go to the bar at Moynihan on social media for more details. But they're great, and uh, we appreciate them supporting us. Amazing spot and that pre-show hang area. Like it's such a critical mm-hmm. aspect of, of the MSG run and glad to see a new, a new venture there. Um, should we jump into night four and break this down and decide if everyone had a good time and if we all, if our ears were telling us good things or, or not, let's, let's, let's figure it out. Let's dive deep. We're going to bring our guest on. This is Josh Sklaren who's on Twitter at J underscore S K L A R. S. I think I got that right. And we have another guest that's going to join us here in a couple minutes, but let's bring Josh on. Josh, how you doing, man? Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh, you are, you are uh, currently muted. If you want to go ahead and click that unmute there. You know, after like go. two and a half years of COVID and the amount of Zoom meetings, <laughs> you'd, you'd think I would know to unmute when I'm sorry. It's, my, it's the eternal my, learning experience of talking dig, vir, virtually. I, I totally, I've done this. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. How, uh, how are you feeling after you did three of four nights? Yeah, I did, uh, yeah, I did three or four. So one, two, and four. Um, I'm really tired. I don't think I'm as, I'm not aging backwards as Megan's. Um, you know, I have three little kids and they have activities first thing in the morning. Um, you know, so I, I am tired. I certainly don't uh, go as hard as I used to when I was younger, but it doesn't matter. You know, I just really tired, but, uh, thankful, um, that we had these past bunch of days, you know, willing. Yeah, to I was talking there. to a friend who, who said he's, he's completely revamped his approach to like partying and drinking during the shows. And even that didn't help. Even that he woke up the next day and was like, I, I went through something last night. I don't know what it is. There's something about like the second you get into a fish show, like you just, the adrenaline is rushing and the band comes out on stage and it's just so intense. Yeah. That, that feeling when they hit the stage and the lights go on and everyone around you is smiling and screaming and we're all there for the same purpose. It's, I don't know. There's nothing that's, I mean, I've been chasing that you know, since I'm a teenager, like that's, you know, that's the chase is that moment, you know, or like when Chris puts the bright white lights, which by the way, those LEDs are awesome, but the whites are really bright, <laughs> like really bright. Um, and that's, it was, it was, it was awesome. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's special, and to have it be an MSG is, is something else. Um, tell us before we jump into it. When did you start seeing fish? Do you do you recall your first show and kind of where are you at at this point in your overall you know fish seeing life? So um, I don't know the number of shows I've seen. It's over a hundred, but beyond that, I don't know. Um, I started twelve thirty ninety five um, at the tender wow. age of nice. 12. I was twelve. Um, my brother wow. was 10 years older than me, and my parents were not that smart, I guess. I mean, they, they let my brother take me to 123095. And as like a New Jersey Jewish kid, like listening to Sora listening to Grateful Dead and some other stuff like that, and he takes me to this fish show and they play you know, they play Man Who Stepped in the Yesterday and Avino Volcano and they played Susie and it's when MSG still had seats on the floor and we were in section four. It was life-altering, life-changing, no question. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know we're supposed to talk about night four, but to get a Vino Volcano again on what would have been the 1230 show um, was just super cool um, to, have, to have been there for. Um, and then I love that. My, next, my next fish fish experience was, uh, was the Clifford Ball, actually. Um, my parents, again bad decision-making, bad parenting Let's go with my brother and um, like five or six of his, you know, they're 18 years old um, in two cars before cell phones to the Clifford ball. And that was just um, uh, also life altering and life changing. Um, so you went I, to a fish festival when you were 13? Is that what yep, you're saying? I'm saying that, uh, yes. That is and I, awesome. I had actually, and I went, not only that, but I went with a, I had broken my wrist in three spots in a hockey tournament two weeks prior. So I had a cast on my arm from yeah. just below the elbow to like through the hand. Um, and my parents weren't hippies or anything. They were like normal middle class parents i don't know they had brain farts or something and they no they, i miss the 90s i think yeah. parents were much cooler then yeah, yeah so that was yeah, that um, was awesome i feel like your parents like they had the foresight to be like he's probably going to get into some of this at some point so we might as well just let him do it with his brother yeah 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 they always, <laughs> you know our our bond you know and um i mean since that it's really i mean my i mean everything is fish my kids have seen you know at this point probably 15 fish shows at least the oldest one she's 10 um we only go to outdoor shows uh we say page side rage side top of the lawn uh what's nice about the fish scene these days is you can make it whatever you want it to be and so many of us have grown up right and we'll look it up on the weekends but we're professionals during the week so when we go to a fish show and you're bringing your kids, there's so many of us um, that it's nice. They really do have a good time um, and, and, and to see them be really excited um, about it is, is amazing. I mean, my, my middle daughter, I said, hey, when I was going to night two, what do you think you're going to open with? Um, and she said, um, what was it, night one? Night one. So what are we going to open with? And she actually said Karini and she was talking about the lumpy head. Um, so she called that and then she called Fluffhead last night as well. Uh, wow. I told her I'd mention They got it. it. Yes. They feel it. They feel it. I love that. Um, 
Well, awesome. We're gonna we're gonna I'm really stoked to jump into this show here with you. We're gonna bring on our, our second guest as well here. Uh, he's been on the pod before, huge friend of the pod, Mr. Patrick Hickey. How are you doing, my man? Hey everybody, I'm good. I'm good. Hey Patrick. Hey Megan, how are you? Good to see you. Good. Guys. We got to meet in person this week. It's awesome. Which is very nice, yeah. It's yeah. And to meet you. I think I've only ever met Patrick in person at fish shows. So it's it's very <laughs> fitting. It's, uh, I think Magnaball was the one and only time. I was thinking about Was this. that the only time that we've hung out in person? That might be, yeah. We were we were both weeks away from becoming dads and just <sighs> letting right. loose for one last time. That was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so Patrick and I Patrick and I got to sleep approximately 20 feet from each other one night this run. So that, that was nice. <laughs> Although his room had a his room had a door. And I was in the I was in the main room, and the I don't know if anyone else experienced this who stayed at the Stewart or nearby, but there was literally like the world's biggest crane outside of our window. That st- around six, it just started. It sounded like they were just taking it and just banging it into walls. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> why, why here, and and why now? I actually kind of wonder if anyone complained because it was it was crazy. Um. So anyway, sorry. Hi, Patrick. Hey, hey, RJ. Yeah, that was the largest construction crane I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Megan, as as the resident New Yorker, do people actually do anything when there are noise complaints made in the city? I feel like it's just roll with it. Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. One yeah. <laughs> one's kind of busy. Yeah, I think they're it's like, mm, we'll see. Prioritize that. They get to stuff, yeah. but it usually takes a while. So I don't know about noise complaints. It seems low on the priority list. But that construction outside MSG is pretty intense. I didn't know that that was going on, and it really affects when you get out because it's like. It's a maze and it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, our friends Kate and Jeremy got trapped two nights somehow in Tower B. Oh no. Uh, trying to get out, right? So they texted us. I think one of the nights you were there, RJ. And then last night I was meeting them and they're like, somehow we got trapped in Tower B again. And I was like, this just happened two nights ago. Like, why? You know, you should have fixed something else. But yeah, I think it made it really hard to get in, in and out in some ways. Yeah, I think there was something going on with the, the exits. And yeah, it was very, I could never tell where I was going to end up. I've been to MSG so yeah. many times and I was still like, where am I about to be spit out? Like, it's very hard to tell. Yeah. That's New York. Josh, highs, highs, Josh, was lows. this your uh, highs and lows? You can be the highest, you know, highest and the lowest in New York. It's amazing. Um, Josh, was this your first time back at the garden since pre-pandemic? Uh, Yeah, 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 it was. How was that uh, for you? It was like coming home, you know. It was nice. It was, it was nice to be back, you know. Um, yeah. it, it was like just walking in the first night and the anticipation and the anxiety that you get, like that feeling in your stomach that's mm-hmm. wonderful and somewhat terrifying at the same time. And you get there, and you know, even if you don't, I, I, I'm a I'm a bit introverted even at concerts. Um, but that's but it's it's still so nice to just see like smiling faces and people having fun and people being just genuinely happy for a few hours, you know, and it's nice to just be around that and to come into MSG where we know they're so comfortable. It's their favorite place to play. And, you know, I've seen them more there than anywhere else. Um, You know, and it's, I guess it's where it started for me. So I, I love going (laughs) to, uh, to fish at MSG. Beautiful thing. Um, well, let's jump into the show. So last night was night four, and we, we were talking about this beforehand. Like from the webcast from afar, this looked like a very high energy show from note one, which 
this being the new year's day show, there's always, you know, the, the longer three night run or three night or three set show the night before the gag, it always seems to like, not necessarily take it out of people, but it's a lot. And when you come back for a concert after that, I've always gotten the impression that the new year's day show is a little bit more of a mellow vibe to it. This felt like night one all over again. Let's do four more nights of these and like opening with Fluffhead, a really, really tight, high energy rocking version of Fluffhead. That whole first set being like old school songs. Patrick, what were your thoughts? Was this your fourth night of, of the run? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Wow. <clears throat> what were your thoughts on Fluffhead and the Mike's Groove that opened the show? Uh, it was amazing. I guess so, Josh, you said your daughter called Fluffhead? She did. She did. And Karini. Um, night one. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, no, we were walking up the stairs with Kate and Jeremy as we were about to part ways. And I, I mentioned Fluffhead, and they're like, oh, but there's no way they're going to open with that. And so when I heard those first notes, I was just like, yes, there we go. Um, so it was fantastic. Um, you know, I had great seats. I, you know, over four nights had, had a lot of adventures and, and some great experiences, but I was just dead on down low in 102. And so I was just locked in the entire time. Uh, so, you know, no, um, no letdown to start, right? The fluff head was great. I'm sure Trey missed like six. I think I counted 6.3 notes um, that he missed in fluff head. Um, I got that point third one as well. That yeah. was like a, yeah. was a little sharp. It was a little sharp. <laughs> I couldn't recover for like four minutes though. I'll tell you what, but you know, after that, <laughs> I'm joking. Go on. Yeah. Throws you off, right? Just ruins the whole yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I almost walked out, but I decided to stick around. Um, and so, you know, it, it was great opener. I was actually, um, so Simple is one of my favorite songs. But during Week of Pod Groove, I was sort of like, should I go to the bathroom now? Because, like, getting in, like you were talking about, Josh, you know, you're nervous, you're ready to go. I'm not dealing with the bathroom. I'll just, like, go during the set. So, anyways, Week of Pod's finishing up. And I'm like, the next song that starts, I have to go to the bathroom no matter what. And Simple starts. And I was like, well, I made this deal with myself. So I got, even though this is like my favorite song, like we're going here, but I got back in time for bebop. Um, and then just like the simple was amazing. You know, the egg in the hole was, was really fun. That's just like such a, all this stuff is so stupid, but you know, egg in a hole, it's a stolen phrase. I'm not sure I should ask for this. Like, okay, I guess we're just gonna have 20,000 people screaming this and you know, this multi-million dollar production. <laughs> like, so that was great. And then what they play, I know they played Divided Sky, but they might have played something in between those two. Um, and Josh, I see you're a guitar player, so I, I want to ask you all about your guitar. I just hang them, just hang them on walls. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I play them a little bit. It's um, very subtle, Josh. It's very subtle back there. Well, I, 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 honestly, this was coincidental. I wanted to do it in my office because I didn't want to be bothered. But my office is like trashed. And this is the <laughs> only other place that doesn't look trashed in the house. It so looks lovely. It's, it works. Uh, cool. Yeah. It works. It's a good spot. Looks very civilized. See the rest of it. So I um, learned Divided Sky. Um, so over the pandemic, right, I went and learned all these complicated fish songs that I just never taken the time to learn before. So I don't know. Yeah, coming back and hearing that, and you know, again, I thought it was a fantastic one. If you're looking for a guy to tell you which nuts are wrong, I'm not that guy. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure the second I say like, oh, it was played so well, someone's going to say it was terrible. But, uh, it, for me personally, it was wonderful. Uh, and then I, what was the closer then? There was one more after that, right? First, First two. two. Oh yeah. 
So I thought of RJ doing it. I did karate kicks and karate chops for you, RJ. I tried to hold it down for you. But yeah, so I thought the whole first set like, didn't let up, right? Yeah. It didn't let up. Like the only slow song of the first set is I Am Hydrogen, which, you know, is in a classic groove. Like you're not really thinking a breather at this point in time. And I guess you could argue there's like a mellow segment within simple, but like even that you're like moving into a jam. There was, it was one song after another, I guess like the silent portion of divided sky is the only respite that we're getting. But again, it's divided sky. It was, um, and that was like a huge moment, you know, that was right, right, right. Everyone's screaming. Trey was like stopping and looking all around and everybody was just screaming with just joy and pleasure. That was like a real, a real moment. I felt like, Trey and the band at large is doing a lot of that, like just taking in the moment, like looking at the crowd and like feeling that connection and like feeling, it seems like there's just a lot of like presentness from them, which is awesome. Um, I just want to say just because um, just for, for statistical purposes, that was the only the 10th Fluffhead opener ever hmm. for a song that's hmm. been around for what, like wow. close to 40 years, which is uh, kind of wild. Yeah. What's I think that? I've got a few too. I have one in Charlotte. Charles was it Char- Charleston? Charleston, I think. Yeah, maybe Charleston. It was yeah. the first time that they had done it since last October. They opened the Chula Vista mm-hmm. show with Fluffhead, and but yeah, ten times ever. That's wild. Yeah, what a fun opener! Again, that goes to my point from yesterday that this band really knows how to open shows at MSG. I mean, they've just been coming out swinging. It's it's just been so exciting, and this Mike song too, super dancey and groovy, like right away into this beautiful hydrogen. And then the week of Pog was like really sunny and like pretty peaks. But this simple is just, is so great. I mean, you can hear them taking risks, I think, and like trying different sounds. It was the first time we got to hear some like evil, dark fish. Yep. Shana's saying we saw it in Charleston. Yep. Thanks, Shana. <laughs> yeah. they. I feel like I couldn't tell, but it seemed like they were almost surprised to land in Egg in a Hole. It seemed like like Trey was singing the like we've got it simple in kind of like a creepy way over the jam. And then when they started singing it, I saw them like look at each other. I don't know if you could see this on the webcast better, but they looked at each other and Mike and Trey looked like they were laughing at each other when they were like singing this song. And I think one of our listeners said this, and I think it's perfect. It really is the perfect use for these like weird sci-fi soldier songs to come out of like a monster jam, like a scary, spooky jam, drop into this like weird, creepy kind of ridiculous song and then come out of it like just so well. I mean, that like slow progression out of in back into simple was just, was such a good moment. I thought that was, that was incredible. It reminded me a bit of how they were using death. Don't hurt very long in 2019, where it was not so much of like a song, but it was just like a segment that's tacked on to the end of the jam. And it's like this reference point back to Caswell Voxed and, you know, just like excites everyone when it happens. And I feel like to your point, these sci-fi soldier songs, like at their root, they're just like a groove with some ridiculous lyrics to scream over the top of it. And yeah. like, what perfect thing to like, it almost works like how Kung or, uh, catapult works where there's like adaptability to the song itself that can just kind of be thrown into the middle of the jam, which, which was great. Which kind of started with thrilling chilling, right? Like that was like, yeah, all of those songs, like oh, that's yeah. like the whole point of those songs, which is kind of amazing. If we're bringing stats to the table, I thought it was interesting that simple started after a classic 
Mike's groove. And I looked it up last night. There's only been three times, including last night, where Simple has immediately followed Mike's groove. Uh, 716.99 in Homedale, a famous show because so Tom good. Marshall came out as Bruce Springsteen and, drank, and sang uh, Born to Run. And then uh, 123013, the New Year's run, uh, they played an extended Mike's groove and then simple right after we could pong. It's just, it's, it's wild to hear it there because that like 99 fish would be Mike, simple hydrogen, we And here you've got, you know, simple just tacked on at the end. It fits the larger theme of it, but then goes off into a crazy jam. I was not expecting that simple there. I was super surprised, but set rules are over. So I guess they do it as they want now. And it worked. It worked really well. I was sort of solo last night. I was separated from my friends. I was in one-on-one. They were in another 100 section, and I was texting with them. As soon as Fluffhead hit, and we were like, oh, well, okay, it's on. Fluffhead, it's on. Um, and then Mike's in the first set right after Fluffhead, and you get the classic hydrogen, and then the week of Pog, and we're all just, well, that's fucking fantastic. And then it stops, and then they play simple. And we, we all, I think the text was, fuck. And that was that. And we were like, done. <laughs> This is a cla- This is just such a classic, uh, yet unexpected, you know, sort of one point ish type set. I'd love to go back to like all of my text chains during fish runs, uh, <laughs> because it's either like a fuck or it's a wow, and there's nothing to it. Like you just know, like a song starts, and I'll just get like a wow from a fish friend, and I'm like, yep, we're both watching the same show right now. I think RJ was texting lots of like, oh gosh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can really say sometimes. Um, there's, that, there's, but there's the, too sad. the simple in there though, like that placement of simple, it just, like you said, there's no, there's no rules. There's no like places where any songs fit anymore. It's just like, they just do awesome shit whenever they want. And even if like the, the song flow or whatever is not your, is not, you know, your bag or whatever, it's still like pretty amazing that they, I don't know that they're able to do that. Like that, that 20, 20 minute simple is just like, that seems hard to do just like to kind of jump into it. And it's like, all right, now we're doing this. Um, I don't know. I think that it seems hard not being a musician. It seems like a hard thing to me. Definitely. I mean, there's no formula they're following ever, which definitely is challenging. You know, I think that'd be so easy for them to put, Shongs where they know that they work successfully all the time, but they're always mixing it up. It's just incredible. Yeah, you think about like a really well produced arena rock show and how much structure there is in place and like how much they're like, uh, how much they go over the top to like give you the sense that there's not structure. But at the end of the day, like look through Setlist FM for most bands touring, there's like a small variety of Setlist changes on a night to night basis. Not only are they playing different songs every night, but they're playing songs that they probably haven't played in six to 12 months from time to time. They're throwing out songs that haven't been played in front of people in years, but then also they're allowing themselves this willingness to play a song like simple and say, this version is going to be different from the last time we played, which was different from the last time we played, which was different from the last time, you know, and we're just going to see where it goes in front of an entire paying audience. It's, it's something that, I love reminding myself on like a show by show basis is that there's a unique quality to what they're doing on stage that is ultimately really challenging. It it, it boggles my mind, like thinking about how many notes and songs they have to remember to be able to just whip out, you know, whatever song Trey feels like, 
you know, with no notice, no, you know, we all like when they practice, you can tell if they're practicing, we understand that. But I mean, sometimes they just bust out like a brother, you know, after 200, you know, shows and, and how do they remember how to play that? I mean, Patrick, like learning something on the guitar, like, I mean, I've been playing most of my life and I'm terrible at it. You know, part of it is because I can't memorize, you know, all this stuff and keep stuff. So like, I've learned the same songs a thousand times and how they keep that together and be able to make it different for us every single night is, is insane. Like when you go, cause I'm sure we all don't just like fish. We like other types of music. I mean, fish is number one without question, but like some hard rock stuff or, you know, bands that play, they play like an hour set. It doesn't change from tour to tour and they have two or three opening acts. And like you go to, it's just like the musicianship and the level of what's, necessary to have a good show is just so different and that's what's i don't know that's part of the joy of what we do totally agree and and you get that like i think right now where the band is at there's such an appreciation of this ability to still do this following the pandemic and a tour being canceled as a result of it this run being postponed by four months you know so you get a sense whenever they walk on stage like they're there's a true gratitude for what they get to do every night. Plus they seem to be at a point where there's just kind of boundless creativity. And so there's just joy when they're on stage, but the the challenge of doing that on a night to night basis shouldn't be lost on anyone. Um, I thought first tube here was a really amazing set one closer. It brought me back to the first run that the band did in at MSG in 3.0. Uh, the final night they closed the first set with just like, it's on YouTube. It's a version of first tube that I don't really know what happens. It doesn't totally sound like a different version of first tube, but like the entire arena loses its collective mind when Trey's lifting his guitar up. And that's all the way back in 2009. And like this had that same energy coming off of these song selections, coming off of four nights, coming off of what I think a lot of people have collectively been saying was a very special new year's Eve type of show. Um, it was just, it felt like a great way to close out the final first set of this overall run. I don't know what it was like for you guys in the venue. Patrick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Um, you know, I remember seeing that for the first time in Binghamton, 1999 on the, um, the mm-hmm. Trey solo tour. So it was like the debut and this was like the tape trading days. Right. So in the rec music fish days, so you saw like the set list, you saw these words, but you had no idea what they sounded like. Right. And so the first time I heard it, it was like, but you know, boom into it. And I, my mind was just totally blown. Right. I was like, I think it was 18. Right. It's the first time hearing first two, but such a, a powerful song, I guess. Right. It's, it's, I think it's one of the songs that like you can play people that people who don't like fish, you play first two for them. Yeah. Totally. Like, okay. Like I get this. This is like a thing. So yeah, I, I thought it was a great one. I think you're right. I mean, it did seem a little different to me in terms of like, you know, not perfect A, B, C, you know, like uh, not paint by numbers, I guess. So, um, yeah, it was a great capper to that set. And it's just, you know, it's time to jump up and down and, and be happy and sort of lose it for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's great capper. I mean, you know, it's always great when, when they play first tube. And, yeah, the Jedi is always great. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to touch on something you guys said. I'll stop rambling, but we were talking about the like sort of professionalism of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Josh, you were mentioning like, so first, how do the, all four of those guys do it together, right? And they've developed this relationship of however many years now where they, 
you know, my uncle at one point who's not, you know, into fishing, he's like, what makes this band this thing that people go around? And it's really the chemistry from the four guys. But then there's also that support staff. Like how many staff members like it took to like flashlights at everybody and have them jump up and down um, and sing about eggs and holes is just quite a accomplishment, quite a feat. And you, you have to remember it started as like those guys in college. Right. So the first night we were actually in a, in a suite with our friend Dave and um, the drummer from my college band, my very good friend came to his first show. He like oh, wow. didn't fish at all. Like we covered fish songs, you know, so this is the late nineties, early two thousands. But he's just like a guy who liked music who played in the marching band and we were just friends. And like, we had this band that, you know, we played concerts for two years, but like they built on that right over the course of 35 to 40. And like, like we we sometimes do reunion concerts and just like play for our friends or whatever and like it's still there right and like there's definitely songs we haven't played in 15 years that you're just like oh yeah i sort of like remember this part i sort of remember that part but just that they've built on it consistently for the past 35 or 40 years or whatever it is i think it's just such an impressive feat and it's such yeah it's such a professional thing for such a stupid thing too right it's like (laughs) different ways to make fart noises like they're like doing all this like ridiculous stuff um but yeah they they built it and yeah the fact that we can all do it the fact that it's as professional as this it's just it's an amazing thing but i actually think though it's not stupid because it's bringing like this huge amount of joy you know to so many people that's like so needed in this world right now and like i felt that so many times this weekend like there's 25,000 people standing together, like just like you were saying in the beginning, Josh, like being so happy and like putting good energy out there. And we just don't get to do that. And it's such a tribal and inherently human thing that we need to do. And I think there's so few places for us to like commune together, enjoy anymore. And it's just, I think you're right. It is stupid what we sing about. And, you know, when you play people's songs, like simple, they're like, what is this? This sounds like a kids show song or something but it's hard to explain that it actually has a deeper meaning but really it's just a launching pad for just like incredible inventive improvisation but I do feel like because it's kind of like I don't know clothed in this like stupidity or like silliness it's like it's kind of like stealth which is cool once in a thousand percent to agree Megan it is such a beautiful and wonderful thing like I'm gonna try not to cry in the podcast right but please do I think also like I just think like everything's stupid, right? Like it's like like we're just like animals, right? And like yeah. so, okay. <laughs> like, I could die like in thirty minutes, right? Like mm-hmm. we're here for a very short amount of time, and like the, all these things have been built is very very special for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I think about and I thought a lot about it watching this run from afar. That emotion had a lot to do with this run in a way that. I hadn't felt totally with fish since the early part of last summer's tour. You know, there seemed to be this sense when I came back last summer, like just the simple gratitude of being able to walk out on stage and play in front of people was really impacting the band. And they were speaking to us a lot. And there was a ton of new ideas that were going into these songs. And I felt throughout this run, from afar again. And, you know, in talking to people who were there, it sounds like there was, you know, aspects of this to be true, but like 
think about how many shows Fish has played since late July 2021. None of those places were Madison Square Garden. And there there was this looming aspect of the garden, I feel like, hanging over the band going into this run that I think in some cases led to um, you know, a, a moment like the Carini that opens up Wednesday show. I didn't think that there was a better opener that they could have picked. It was not what I picked in any sort of way, but like when they walked out and they just play those power chords and launch into a huge jam and there's nothing needs to be said. We're just playing music and we're letting people in the arena get settled, but also collectively lose their minds. And then we're going to take a deep breath at the end of this. Oh, but wait, we're going to go into possum. And then we're going to take a deep, you know, like we're going to like have this moment finally to like all take a collective deep breath. I feel like they, everything that we're talking about here, the idea of uh, the silliness, the humor, but also the serious aspect of like people just having simple joy. It's a, it's a need. And, and you saw it throughout this overall weekend that like the band has played incredible music over the last eight to 10 months, but all of it was leading up to, in some cases, this run for them to finally play Madison square garden for the first time in nearly two and a half years and really walk off the stage feeling like, we gave people something that we needed and they needed as well. And I definitely got that vibe from last night's show. Totally agree. Yeah, 100%. Anybody have? I know that. <laughs> you needed it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can see it on so many people. It was just with everything going on and, um, you know, and, and, and I don't know. It was just, it, it was a, it was really good timing. Um, you know, thank goodness the Knicks are a terrible basketball team, you know, and that they didn't have to get, you know, pushed uh, again. Um, I have no dog in that fight, by the way. I'm not a big basketball fan. I'm j- I just know that the Knicks are terrible, and that's why we were able to keep these dates. Um, and everyone was just so happy. And, like, the, I've seen MSG rock up and down a lot, and I felt like last night being able to see it from 101, which is just dead on, to the stage, seeing everyone up and down and feeling, uh, just feeling the building move was, I don't know, it was, um, our, as close to religion as I get. I mean, that's, that's what was really, that, it was an awesome, awesome, um, vibe last night, you know, yeah. feeling. RJ, you never stop moving at a fish show. It's one of my favorite things about, there's a lot of my favorite things I love about seeing fish with you, but that is, that is one of the, I'm at the top. Um, what was the joy like for you? You went to the first two nights, but what was it like for you being back in that room? Yeah, it was great. I mean, the, the, I was with Patrick and a bunch of friends the first night and, um, the, the, even in the suites, you know, where we are like lucky enough to be, you could still, it was still like moving a lot you know, the floor was moving and like, you know, to be in like a fancier suite, but it's still like moving up and down. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, and I was with a couple of friends who aren't big fish fans and they just wanted to come just to hang out. So they got to like experience it. And I think one thing of just seeing the, seeing a show with a, a good friend who who's not a fish fan is how his main takeaway is like, there's like nothing like this in terms of live music he's like a huge music fan he's has seen tons of concerts but like he's like there this is like so much different than anything else you know just in terms of the intensity and the the crowd interaction and i mean everything um so that was really cool to to see and to have people realize like wow this is like first of all it's like a weird 
silly cult, you know, but it's also like the, the shows are just like insane, you know? Um, so yeah, I thought it was, it was so great to see him back there. Obviously like the, the, the lights and the way that Kuroda has the control over that room also is just like such a different thing. Um, especially compared mm-hmm. to Mexico where I saw them last, which was like, you know, that kind of like stationary setup that they had there in, in Mexico. Um, but to see like all the, just like the ring lighting and all the, the crowd lighting, it just, it was really, really awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like the, we, Brian and I texted it about this at length yesterday, but, I am to the point now where like, I don't really care what they play or how they play it at all. Like I think in the, the Reba the first night, I think maybe the composed section was not great. And I didn't notice, like I didn't at all <laughs> um, at the time. I mean, I, pro- I probably did like in my brain, I'm sure it like triggered something, but I didn't like really notice or pay attention. Um, and I think that's interesting because we just got a comment about that too. I'm curious what you guys think about this. Like the, is there, I mean, I, I just, I just don't pay that much attention. And I do think to be fair to people like me, I think there's a difference between like being overly positive and saying that everything is great and just not really caring. Um, Cause I think like, I'm not saying that that was the best played Reba of all time. I'm just saying like, I don't, I didn't really notice and I don't really care. But if you do pay attention to that, do you guys think this is a thing? Like, do you think that the composed sections of some of these more complicated songs are going downhill over time if if you think about it that way? I think sloppy is kind of an offensive word because <laughs> this band just is not playing sloppy music right now. I mean, maybe they're missing in notes here or there, but that is because I think like that comment was saying too, they're, they're jamming and they're taking risks in a way that is really, you know, unmatched anywhere. And when you're playing like that, you can't, always be completely perfect every other moment. And I just think that to call them sloppy is, um, I don't know, I find it a little offensive because I just think it's wrong. Like I think that they can miss a few, have a few mistakes when they're playing three hours, um, a majority of which is like transcendent improvisation. (laughs) Like I think it's okay if you miss a couple notes. Like I just feel like, you know, that's fine. So I I do, I, I agree with this comment that it feels like they are much more interested in exploration. But then you hear something like a divided sky last night. And I also, RJ, I don't know. I think they may have missed a, a few notes, but honestly, like to hear that piece of music, which is one of the most beautiful pieces of music played at Madison Square Garden by the person who wrote it. Like, I'm just happy about it. I'm not worrying about the note that's missed or something, but I know that people are, and I, and I get that. I, um, I, I, I notice it. But I don't. I'm with you, RJ. I don't. I don't care um, that much anymore. Um, I mean, listen, they're older. There's no. I mean, they're older. They the songs that they used to play super, super, super fast. They've t- slowed them down a little bit, especially for some of the composed sections. And that's just part of getting older and wiser and more mature. And they are. Their 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 jams have gotten, you know, so much more transcendent. Like the the commenter said. I mean, they're and they really they're taking the type two so much further and they keep doing it. So I'm not, you know, I don't care, you know, all, all that much. And it's funny. I was listening to randomly, um, 1231.95, I think yesterday. And I forget, it was a Reba or some, I forget what it was, a very composed section and Trey flubs it like seriously, you know, yet 1231.95 is one of the Mecca shows that, that, you know, you're like, give a non-fish fan a show to listen to. 
you know, that's probably like a top 10, that's you know, right. maybe. Yeah. Um, but in 95, they were flubbing too, you know, um, it's not sloppy. He, they miss notes sometimes, you know, and I, I'm just so happy they're still playing and that they're happy to be playing and we get to go to MSG and see them miss some notes yet jam really, really well. Like I'll take that over no fish forever. I agree 100%, Josh. Can I chime in or are we – I don't know. Please um, do. Please do. Yeah, so I cannot – I texted RJ the other day. I cannot hear uh, – any unless it's very significant, with 20,000 people around me and a bunch of lights flashing in my face and all this stuff going on, I can't hear like a couple missed notes in Reba or whatever. Like if it like falls off the rails, I can, right? But like listening back, I can hear it. Like I'm, I'm not a terrible musician. Like I understand how music works. Okay, but like – there's just so much going on, right? There's so many human beings. So I guess that, you know, and so I, and also like having lived through two, 2.0 and all that kind of stuff. Like I've heard fish play those songs way worse, like way, like not even be able to play the songs at all, basically. So I think they're, you know, they've definitely made a, um, there's been a focus on improvisation, I guess, since post pandemic, right? Like there's been a lot of just in Mexico. And I think it was true. That must be too, just like vibing. Right, just like like Mexico, the whole thing, just watching it from the couch, I was like, this, they're just vibing the whole time, right? It was just very patient and very just like get a groove going, build it up, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know, you know, it's it's tough for me to say that if they're sloppier, but um, yeah, they definitely the improvisational parts, as that commenter you know mentioned, are definitely transcendent and uh, as good as they've ever been in my in my unbiased opinion. Yeah, I think the only thing I would I would add to that is like, yes, the improvisation seems to be a huge focus, but I think also like the band was pretty vocal about this when they came back in 3.0 that they wanted Fish to be a part of their lives. They didn't want it to be their lives. And as a result, like all four members are focused outside of, you know, immediate focus on like a Fish Run or a Fish Studio album that's being recorded on their own projects and on their own families. And we know how much music has been written just for fish in the last eight years, basically like since wingsuit, they've written upwards of a hundred songs. All of those songs at some point need to be tried out and figured out. Does this fit in the rotation? If it does, this is going to probably take the space of another song. That's not going to be in the rotation anymore. Um, there's been a huge focus on their jamming, which I think leads to a different thought process in terms of how to approach a show. That wasn't necessarily the case in the early part of 3.0 when the focus was really on how do we nail these songs? How do we play fluff and on a consistent basis? Again, you enjoy myself, so on and so forth. So in some cases, like I think from my perspective, the, the band has shifted their focus away kind of like how they did in 95, 97 away from every single song needs to be perfect note for note. We have to, cause we are presenting this to people for the first time to kind of what you were saying, Patrick, like the vibe has to matter. Um, I, I often think back like in these discussions to pay or uh, sorry, Trey's talks so openly about this in bittersweet motel, you know, in two different parts when he's reading the review of the Deer Creek show, the the famous pissing in their ears show, where the idea was that any fish fan goes to a show, the band could literally urinate in your ears and you walk away. You're like, that's the greatest music I've ever heard. Like, don't try to convince me otherwise. 
And Trey's response is like, if we play a bad show, people are going to get on the internet and talk about how it was a bad show and have a conversation about it. As if to say like, that's something he loves about the fan base is that there's this critical reception and there's people who are thinking about these things deeper than just like, it was good. It was bad. But then he also talks in Europe about how people don't come to the show to hear us hit every change. They come for the energy. And the energy last night was rocking. And that leads to, you know, him telling Brad Sands that he's a fucking tool, you know, and it leads to like this amazing fish gift that can be used across uh, the internet. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just think like the focus, I agree in a sense with what the commenter said, like the focus seems to have become on type two jamming, but it also seems to be that like I, I think night one was a really emotional show. And I think in some cases it, it, it would seem to me, and it felt this way from afar, that it was a hard show to play, that there were so many nerves and there was so much anticipation that playing a song like Reba late in the show, of course, you're going to miss some notes. Like your, your head is in your heart, not like critically thinking at that point in time. But I felt like Fluffhead and Divided Sky last night were expertly played and it felt like this is what happens when a band plays together for four nights is they just naturally become tighter and they play a song you know if they had opened last night with reba rather than fluffhead perhaps it's played a little bit more tightly so i'll stop rambling that's kind of like where i come down on all this sort of stuff please patrick i'll say one thing brian which i think you're making very good points about sort of the transition over from the start of 3.0, but they probably played all the changes and everything way better in 2009, 2010, 2011. It was more boring, right? Like it was, it was great at the time that they were back and it was very exciting mm -hmm. and I loved it. Um, but it wasn't as interesting, I think now, right? Like that's like what we actually like, right? We like to go on that journey. You know, I, I'll stop rambling, but I think that that's, maybe there's a, a line there or maybe there's whatever, but yeah, I'll, I'll have a couple notes for the energy. I think that's, yeah. I also think there's like some kind of reverse recency bias with Fish fans where like, Brian, you were mentioning this yesterday when we were talking like 2012 at the time was like, this kind of sucks. And now people are like, 2012 was awesome. You know, it's like if you <laughs> yeah. point out, if you point out the mistakes and the things that were done wrong, you're like a better listener or something, which is not, I don't think there's, that's like a universal perspective, but I do think it's like, noticing the things that didn't work well is like part of the identity of a lot of fish fans, which is just yeah. such a, I mean, I guess the same thing goes for sports, right? You're like, the, the more you pay attention to the baseball team and the more you like analyze the performance of each player, the more like of a fan you are, it's kind of like how it works. Right. And I feel like there's some of that has, has spilled into the fish fan base. And I'm, I think the dead fan base was like that too. And a lot of bands that have these intense followings, but it's an interesting thing to be like, well, I, I heard like, I heard like four missed notes last night. Cause I was like really listening closely, you know, as opposed to like, I didn't hear anything. Cause I was like having the time of my life, you know? And there's like, it, there's a lot in between those two things, but anyway, sorry. I think I sidetracked us with that comment. Um, but I think you're right though, RJ. And I think that like looking back and like, three or four years when you re-listen to this run, people are going to have a lot of positive things to say about it only. I think oh, we're going to start a new series on HF pod where you bring to the table a show that you had a really good time on. And we're just going to analyze every mistake that was made to determine if you actually had a good time. And I'll yeah, start with one of my favorite shows. One of my favorite shows of all time that I attended was night two of Vegas. So four, and you can't tell me otherwise. Oh, no. It was a oh, magical no. evening. <laughs> 
<laughs> that we have to start with that show. But but what about yeah. the second? Did they play a second set last night? I think maybe they did. And it started with something that definitely didn't suck, and that was an insane no man in no man's land. Um, I just want to start this conversation about this jam with a text that I received from a very close friend of mine, friend of the pod, David Goldstein, about. 23 minutes into the jam, he just texted me and said, I love having ears. And that kind of summarized <laughs> exactly amazing. the feeling of this jam. Cause I felt that from home. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, Josh, let's start with you. What did you think of this jam as it kicked off set two? It was, I mean, it was, it was pretty wild. And I, I remember like 20, 20 ish minutes in, I had a lawn boy type moment. Like, are we still in, are we still here? Is mm-hmm. it still, when did the set start? Um, because it, 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 it got lost, but in in like the greatest fish way, you know. Um, Amnesia. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it was almost thirty minutes, right? It was like twenty seven or twenty eight mm-hmm. minutes. For, yeah. And that was, uh, and I'm not. I'm full disclosure, not a huge fan of the song, um, but I loved that last night. Really good placement, and the jam was extended and awesome. Josh, I have to ask because I know we were in a similar perspective. Sounds like we were like the next section. Did you notice it looked like Star Wars flying through space during that gym? I, I, I did. And since Star Wars is my my second love um, behind fish, I God, don't tell Jonathan. I, I tend I, I tend to see I tend to see Star Wars in a lot of uh, CK 5s light show. Um, but that in particular, I did. I know exactly what you're talking about. Actually. Yeah, it was great. It was like playing video games, the best video game I've ever, I ever could have thought of when I was, you know, five years old playing the Atari. It was really cool. So, so, so sick. It had Patrick, a what were your thoughts on this? You. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. That, the light thing was my, was my major thought, I guess. There were some good fart noises 21 minutes in. Uh, sorry, I'm, just, I'm very amused by how many different ways fish can make fart noises. But there was, uh, I, I was listening on my way in my, my way in the car today, on my way, my drive back, and there was just like a powerful, like, bass rumbling for the last like five minutes of that jam, which really stuck out to me. Um, so yeah, it was fantastic. The lights were fantastic for that, and uh, it was again, great vibe and great, um, lots of interesting stuff going on. Meg, this was your last set of nine nine sets of fish, ten sets of fish. I don't know. I can't do math at this hour of the day. But this was your last set of the weekend, and um, you had admittedly – there we go. There we go, nine. Uh, you had admittedly been been struggling yesterday afternoon, and then you rallied. How did you feel as they were diving deep, deep into a near 30-minute jam? Oh, I was totally still energized. I was I was out of it by the encore, but – that that's to be expected. But this, this was like, I thought this was incredible. This jam, he was building peaks like right away, like just a few minutes into the song. And then it went into that kind of like Plinko Calypso style jam. It was like super quiet and delicate. And I think that's probably where I was on the side. So I couldn't see the lights from the front, but maybe that's when it looked like a video game because it was like, Trey sounded like he was barely even touching his strings. It was this very like, I don't know, unique sound. It was really tinny. It was really cool. And then he starts using those effects and getting like really darker sound. And I was watching Fishman a lot during this jam and he was insane. I think Seth inspired me yesterday who was on the pod talking about Fishman so much. So I spent some time trying to really watch him last night and 
he is just incredible. I mean, the way he's driving and adding texture to these jams, particularly in that and in Piper later on too, it was just incredible to watch him. And I think that the transfer into Caspian was like a little abrupt, but then it felt actually okay in the moment. Like I feel like everybody was like, oh, Caspian. And then this was a really, really excellent Caspian. I love this song. I know it gets some hate, but this was a great version. This was like a 1.0 version. I love this song. I love Billy Breathes, but this 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 was a great version and I thought really well placed after this like awesome jam. Yeah, you knew a breath of fresh air after mm-hmm. a near 30-minute jam and Caspian kind of exists for that spot and I thought this was this was a really creative version. Um RJ, did you have any thoughts on this no men's and and this section I of mean, the show? I mean, it was the longest longest version Longest version to date, um, yep. which really? is wow. yeah, which is pretty wild. Best, right? What's that? That means it's the best. Yes, yeah. that's how it goes. That's how it works. Um, I think the yeah, I mean the the, the set was interesting. Um, I think the first set, like the flow of the first set, and like the just the way that's sequenced is like pretty much perfect. Mm-hmm. And the second set, sort of like the got a jaboo in in there at the end of a piper just seemed like a little bit, it was like, that's an interesting, like left turn, you know? Um, so I thought the set like after no men was sort of like a little more uneven just in terms of the, the, the song sequencing and like a walls of the cave closer. And the second set is really not something that I expect, but you know, I don't think that's like good or bad. I just thought it was sort of like, not, not what I would expect um, compared to compared to some of the, the other shows. I don't know if you guys felt that way being there, if it felt like it was sort of one big flow, you know, if it flowed, flowed well for you guys in, in the, in the arena. I think the flow through Jabu was really, really great. I mean, the flow actually didn't bother me in the second set, but I thought that no men through Jabu was actually like, I thought it was nice song selection. I thought it went well, but I, the walls of the cave surprised me. I did not expect that pretty intense version too. That, that jam at the end, of walls of the cave like that that outro part yeah was just un- really unbelievable like, i remember like taking a note about it and just saying wow that was i have to really 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 have to have to listen back to that um but i, I don't like the the flow it's tough to get a set one like that and mm-hmm. then follow it with a set two with something that is better in some subjective way like if that if you switch those sets around yeah. and the first set and then second set's amazing you know, so I, 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 I love the second set, you know, I thought the set the first set was a little better. It was a song choice for me. Um, but yeah, it was such a good, I mean, and then the encores, I mean, that's, those were just off the wall. So fun. I also agree. I think set one was like a set two. So it was like, yeah, that, that's yeah. a really good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's always think- interesting when they play. Sorry, I was just going to say really quick, it's it's always interesting to me when they play like a set one that is so fluid and like from the note one that they're out there, it's so high energy. You get that sensation that like you've been at the show for a long time to Mm -hmm. the point that like when the show ends or the set ends, you're like, is the show over? Like it's that intense. There's often like a part of me that wonders like structurally and they've got to have this written in a contract somewhere, but like could they just like play through like they're playing so well, every song selection is great. Just don't take a set break at that. Just keep playing at that point. But I feel like we all need a break of like 40 minutes to cut, to like catch our breaths. What are your thoughts, RJ? Well, I was just going to say that the, 
Like a, a night like this, it could have been like, you know, several seven to eight minute songs in a row, you know, like mm-hmm. 10 of them. And that, that would have been like totally, you know, normal for, for a, the, the last night of a show. So I do think like the 27 minute jam is like, you know, anything that kind of happens beyond that is just sort of like, whatever, like do yeah. whatever you want. Cause that's a, that was a pretty, like you guys said, it's a pretty exploratory and crazy, crazy version. So everything on top of that, I think is just sort of like, you know, can't complain too much. Well, and to that point, like I think about this often, we've just normalized them playing 25 to 30 minute long jams on a near mm-hmm. nightly basis. And like Patrick mentioned, um, you know, this tightness in compositions versus improvisation. Like if you listen to every single 3.0 show in early 3.0, there's nothing coming close to this. Like there's a 20 minute jam every 16 shows, 20 shows, mm-hmm. something like that. There was, I think 2010 is the only year of fish post 92 where there's not a single 20 plus minute jam outside of yem like they just weren't doing that and now we're at a point where i remember in the fall tour they came out they opened up with a 25 minute down with disease one night and then four nights later a 20 minute pebbles and marbles like fluffhead was jamming karini was jamming in the encore and that's spilling over to this year you're totally right rj if like in 2011 fish, they come out and they play a 27 minute long song to open the second set. Not a single person on the internet at home, webcasting in the venue cares what song is played after that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting perspective shift that we're at now. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches, right? So much so that they play a 10 minute Piper and that might be my favorite jam of the show. There were so many ideas packed in there And it was Mm -hmm. kind of the jam, you know, it's when you get to the point where there's been so many good jams played in a show that you almost get jams upon jams upon jams. And it's just like whatever they played before references now more complete ideas. Like Trey was just coming up with fully formed riffs the Mm -hmm. first time he played it. And and then he was distorting it with his effects. And I, I felt like that Piper, you know, we see a lot of really good Pipers that get the ideas get packed into 10 or 11 minutes. That for me, I was like, just play this for another 25 minutes. But I, I was I was super great with it. Patrick, what were your thoughts on the Piper? I love the Piper. Um, so I liked the, I enjoyed the whole second set. I was very, very locked in. Um, but I, it was, you know, after the big jam, I was sort of like a little lost, I guess. Like, okay, is it done? After Piper, I think. Then there was I Always Wanted This. The, I Always Wanted This Way came after Piper, right? Mm-hmm. Um which which is great, and then you know the encore break was a little long. It seemed like yeah. if you perceive that too. So I was, maybe they totally. were out how much time they had or something like that. But I was sort of like, what's going on? What's you know is is there something happening here? The Jabu had a it ended with a really great held note, which really struck yeah. me. Yeah, and I was actually because you know we we did DM'd a little bit earlier. And I was like, I have to find where that held note was in the show. And listen to some other ones, and then finally, I was driving home. And I was like, "Ah, oh, Jabu, of course, that's where it was." But I thought that was a great moment—the like last minute and a half or two minutes of Jabu was just a big hell no and peak. Um, yeah, and the, the encore was—you know—they guess they figured out that they had enough extra time left. You know, so Wilson was fan—you know—so much fun. Uh, I think RJ and I both sort of thought it might open the run, but it was a fitting oh, close yeah. to the run. Um, and then Bowie, right? Like the lights show. I mean, I feel like the lights have taken a huge step up, as I'm sure everybody else does. 
But, you know, Bowie, I think, you know, Kuroda has all that just like programmed, right? I think, because it's like a song with a lot of cues and all that. Um, so I thought that that was a good, uh, they must have really wanted to play that. My guess is that's what was why they would, to figure out how much time they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To yeah. sort of, you know, show off that that light show there. Um, so yeah, I thought you know after the No Man's in the first set, I I was I was I had no complaints. I would have left the venue very very happy. But I thought the Piper was fantastic, Jibu was fun, and the encore was 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 great as well. Good way to cap it off. It was. I, I want to give a quick shout out to the the like psychedelic jam that ended. I always wanted it this way. It was it, w- mm-hmm. it wasn't a very long version, but there was like a nice little quiet psychedelic space that faded into Lonely Trip. That's become like. That's the ballad spot song. Like that is if you're gonna if they're gonna play a ballad in like a, a high profile show, it's gonna be Lonely Trip right now. And I'm a thousand percent here for it. I, I don't think that I've heard any song that better summarizes the experience of the pandemic, you know, and, and like being isolated from family and friends and coming back and like reuniting with people better than Lonely Trip. It just it it really, really hits me in the guts every time I I hear that song. Um, it really got me. I cried like a little baby for like at least half the song. I just yeah. <laughs> it's such a song. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's something else. Um, Walls of the Cave. Some great versions at MSG in the past. Obviously, the debut was on twelve thirty one oh two. There was a great version when they were starting to bring it back into the rotation uh, on the New Year's Day show in twenty eleven. Um, this I felt like was right there. The, the point you were making Josh about like the jam at the end of it, it's something I want to go back to. There was a ton of intensity. Um, and then you get Wilson kind of feels like a throwback to 1230 94. The first song played at MSG. Every time you hear it there, you're just like that, the ringing in my ears from the first time I heard a live one, just like I get chills every time in that venue. But, uh, Bowie, this was the first Bowie encore since eight, nine Oh four which I thought was really cool. I think it's only the fourth time it's ever been in the encore slot. And they just keep, it's not a jammed out David Bowie, but they keep figuring out these little ways to like experiment within the song in it. Just, it feels like that song is um, getting ready to, to be something, to be something of a jam vehicle again. Um, I don't know. I loved hearing it there. And then more guess it's never really over even when it's over. One of my favorite recent Trey lines. RJ, I know that you are a huge fan of the song more. I thought about you, RJ. On, on that. Yeah, I did too. My wife, my wife even was like, this is RJ's song. But a couple Everybody people, knows. a couple people texted me too. I appreciate that. I'm really, really, you know, it's a, it's a song. <laughs> I don't know if I should be so public about how much I love it, but it's, it's, it's out, it's out now. So I was actually, I was really, I was really thinking that it might come on f- not Friday, whatever the second night was at the end of that second set um, or in the encore, but I'm glad they played it. And it's just, it's great. It's like a great summation of, especially like just where Trey is, you know, I, that, that's what, that's like the, every time I hear it, I just feel like it really kind of, it just captures the essence of kind of where we are um, with, with this band in a lot of ways, you know, um, which I think some people see the, you can see the positive and negative in that, but I think it's just at the end of a run like this, like, I mean, perfect. Yeah, I mean, to stand there and like vibrate with love and light with all these people, it's just, it's awesome. Maybe cheesy, but we need that. I listened to this song so much during the pandemic and definitely had some really like 
intense moments with it just getting me through. And maybe that is cheesy, but it was, I loved hearing it last night. I thought it was the perfect like capstone to this like super 1.0 start of the encore and just to bring it home with this song that's, you know, really, it means a lot to try, I think. It was, it was, I mean, just, and everyone in my set, I mean, everyone that you could see was just, I mean, there were a lot, there were a lot of people crying. I mean, it was just, it was an emotional night, you know, it was the last night and we had been wanting to get there for a really long time. And I mean, they do, they open up with Wilson for the encore. I didn't think they were going to add anything. I was like, all right, cool. That's Mm -hmm. great. Go home, you know, and then Bowie and then more. Um, But I think RJ, you touched on something like Trey's, um, where he has, where he is in his head, you know, like the positivity and just like, and I hate saying this phrase because it is, it, it is cheesy, you know, the love and light, like all that stuff, but it's so necessary and it's so great. And like a cynical guy like me, you know, it, it's hard for me, you know, to like wrap my head around it at times, but, but I don't, I don't crap on it because it's, it's necessary and it's so important, you know? And like, um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen like some of this, like, some of this, the the music, the music related stuff that Trey just randomly put out on on uh, on Instagram a couple months back. I mm-hmm. mean, like, the guy's just he's just beautiful. I mean, I don't you know, and he's just doing it because he loves music and he loves us and he just loves life and thinking about where this story could have gone versus yeah. where it is today. That's. Thank fucking God. That's awesome. You know, it's love and light, right? Like if yeah. Trey didn't have love and light right now, like we wouldn't be coming off these awesome shows. Exactly. So yeah, you can crap on it, but it's real. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when we talked about this the other day, um, after the first show, you know, yes, there's, there's a very direct and some would say cheesy element to, to some of like these phrasings, but like where Trey, from my perception where he like had to be to, to get through some of these challenges, you have to have very direct, like, uh, like hymns that you like say to yourself over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, to convince yourself that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right thing, that these distractions are not going to be there. And that has to be like a very clear statement, love and light. Um, you know, you take it from pretty much any song, you know, like light, for example, is, 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 is a perfect, uh, lyrical summation of where he was at in like 2007, 2008 and 2009. And when you read those lyrics just out loud, they can sound slightly ridiculous, but when you think about the meaning behind them, there's so much power in words and there's no fat in those lyrics. And a lot of these great songs from the 3.0 and 4.0 era, there's no fat in the lyrics. It's just like, this is how I feel and I'm going to say it. And if you believe it, it removes the cheesiness of it. So mm-hmm. like, I'm right there with you as someone who I couldn't stand more for years. I fully admit I couldn't stand it. And I was listening to it last year and the line, I guess it's never really over, even when it's over, hit me in a totally new way. And it made me think, I have no idea if this is what they were thinking about, you know, as, as the song was being written. But like this idea of, um, you know, Trey, and I was just thinking about Trey when I was thinking about this, but like the idea of him battling sobriety and, and, and overcoming an addiction and all this good stuff comes to you, you know, fish gets back together. He gets opportunities to play at Carnegie hall. He gets opportunities on Broadway, but that idea of like that journey is never over and, and you can trip up at any point in time and, and 
really bad things could have happened. Like telling himself over and over again that like this, this battle I'm going through is never really over. It's kind of my perspective on it. And it hit me in a totally different way of how powerful that song is. And the next time I saw it live, like I just, I lost it. Cause uh, you know, it just was one of those moments of realizing how lucky we are to have this again. Great. That's amazing. I think you so closed it up, Brian. I think that's all. I, I was going to say, there's got to be something yeah, more than this, but there? um, there's not. Um, what there is more of is we will be back for summer tour with excellent on the ground reporting and fans, people like Patrick, people like Josh, people like uh, Seth, people like the Wook Plus guys, people like Ryan Storm. We had so many great guests, Lucy Montgomery. We had so many great guests throughout these last four, four nights, four afternoons of hanging out, talking about fish, Patrick and Josh. Thank you guys so much. Before we go, what was your jam of the night last night? What would you recommend as, as your jam to, to listeners to check out from the show? Patrick, I'll start with you. For sure. Say that one more time. Simple, simple, simple. Yeah. Simple. That's it. Josh, how about you? It's a short portion of the fluff head, like right around the two minutes and 30 seconds before the song's actually over. I mean, the whole fluff head is awesome. So listen to it, obviously. But like, there's something Trey's doing there um, that just, I can't stop thinking about. So that, that, that's what I'll, I'll say that. That was good stuff. That was really good stuff. Megan, how about you? I'm going to say the no men. No man. RJ. I think the simple, it's just, it's just too, it's like just too much still. I need to, I need to go back a bunch of times to try to figure it out. It is too much. Middle of the first awesome. set. What are you doing playing an incredible 20 minute jam like that? Stop it. You know, just too much. Uh, I'm going to go Piper and, and I'm going to shout out really quickly. My, my son's middle name is Piper. And he was, he was hanging with me watching the show last night and I was taking notes on my computer just, you know, like a professional, you know, to, to really every, every Patrick time. said 4.3 flubs. And I, I was, he was right. Cause I had taken on, no, um, <laughs> my son was like, can I write some notes down? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I looked down at the end of Fluffhead, he had written, look how happy everyone is. And I feel like that just summarizes everything wow. we've talked about here. That's amazing. That's so I awesome. That's amazing. So. He was feeling the vibes. He was feeling love and light. <laughs> Wallace was he had love and light just like coursing through him. It was incredible stuff. Well, Patrick and Josh, thank you guys so much for hanging with us. Um, this was total pleasure. Please, you guys are welcome back. We would love to have you at any point to break down summer shows. So let us know what shows you're heading to, and we will we will get you on the books to keep doing this. Awesome. Love, love thank to you do guys. That. Awesome, guys. It's always a pleasure. Nice to virtually meet you, Josh. <clears throat> Same to you, Patrick. Tons you guys have fun, a great Thanks. Thank you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank we'll you talk here soon. All right. And with that, we're closing out our weekend run, weekend run of recapping fish shows. We will be back tomorrow though. Yeah. Where we're going to do a 10,000 foot view of the MSG run. What did it mean? Was it actually good? And will we go back to see fish this summer? These are the lingering questions that we are going to be trying to answer tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian, I also, tomorrow I want to talk a little bit about the, 
the art show that we went to and and collaborating with Wook Plus and some other stuff that we got to do this this past week. Um, but I will because we're so far so far over. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Yeah, we do that. We can do that tomorrow, and we will also be asking: Will we go to art shows in the future? Should we go to art shows in the future? You know, is there is there value in commerce in art? All these big questions are going to be answered tomorrow. We're not going to answer those here today. We're just gushing today. Um, we also have an episode this week that I, I, I would encourage anyone hanging out and listening to this uh, to check out. We will be breaking down fish's 429.87 show from nectars a show that is about to turn 35 years old and is an incredible three set picture of where the band was in the spring of 1987 so check out our msg 2022 recap tomorrow as well as 429.87 with that we have two small bits of business before we go megan would you tell the wonderful people out there about sunset lake cbd once again Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm. They're located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, they were a dairy farm, and they produced milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. But in 2019, they diversified, and they started growing hemp for CBD. And they're amazing because they do so many things to kind of keep Vermont's tradition for land stewardship alive. They use sustainable regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They're also a research farm for the University of Vermont. So they have their agronomists come out and study hemp and inform best industry practices. If you haven't checked them out yet, you really should. They have everything. They've got tinctures, salve, gummies, flour, pre-rolls. They've got it all. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. And you can use our coupon code, which is HFPOD, and you get 20% off all products. We love Sunset Lake around here, and we encourage everyone, check them out. We've gotten some great feedback from listeners who have uh, Mm -hmm. utilized the coupon code to get some Sunset Lake. And uh, we would want you, dear listener, to be the next person to benefit from Sunset Lake CBD. Uh, We also want to tell you about we are sponsored by Cash or Trade. Org, the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other both uh, before, during, and after a transaction. You can rate and review each other when a transaction is completed. There's no added fees to sell your tickets, and all sales are fully protected by cash or trades, trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Visit cashortrade.org to learn more and start utilizing them. And a great time, too, because we have fish shows in five weeks. More fish shows. There is something more than this. We've got eight fish shows coming up over Memorial Day weekend plus uh, in the week to follow. And then we'll have another short break. Um, I don't know if anyone knows these dates, so I'm just telling them, you know, um, our, our listener base out there may not be aware that fish is touring this summer. Fish will be back on the road in mid July for a run from, I think July 14th through like August 15th. And then there's another break before Dick. So lots and lots and lots of fish to cover in the coming months. Plus, as we said, we will be diving deep into the history of fish. We're still going to be doing it for 29.87 today or on, on Wednesday and um, on Monday tomorrow, as I speak, we will be covering MSG in full. With that, RJ, Megan, thank you guys so much for joining me on this Sunday. 
Thank you, Brian. Thank Thanks, you, Megan. Brian. Thanks, RJ. Great job, everybody. Fine. Megan, rest up for tomorrow. Yeah, I'm Big ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Big right. tomorrow. Back to reality. Thank you to our incredible guests, and thank you to all of you who listen. Have a great one. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!